Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. This is weird. What? I don't know what's weird about it. You seem overly optimistic and Evan's not paying attention. This seems very normal. <laughs> this is exact- I'm glad after a year and a half we haven't <laughs> missed a beat. <laughs> this is weird because now i just let you guys interrupt me but now it's everyone just looks at each other strangely we can just stare at evan until he says something we didn't have that for the last year and a half wow a bunch of like conversational stuff like how to carry a normal conversation like a person is coming back all at once because before when we were on the uh doing this remote I would, you, one of you would be talking and I'd have you on half my screen. The other half of the screen would be like notes or looking stuff up or research or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it was. And <laughs> I mean, the FBI called a couple of times, so I couldn't do the rest. And now it's, uh, we have to make eye contact and look at each other. Don't look at me. It's so weird. <laughs> I am learning how to socialize all over again. You didn't even know in the first place. You just had that the rest of society reset to where you're at. I keep that is true. forgetting you guys have been locked in your house. I've been out in public for like six weeks now. So, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I said, the being in this room feels weird, but like the whole interaction thing, thankfully, still feels a little normal. I will say um, I missed you both, uh, which I never want to feel again. So, let's hope not that doesn't happen again. And you're both also rude for letting me be the only one who got fat during COVID. <laughs> No, Abby was right there with you. Yeah, Abby Abby got a little bit. I just turned into a bag of sand. I didn't like get fat. I just like became goopy. Yeah, everything you had just became loose. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Things jiggle more than they ever have. I'm very cognizant of skin elasticity now. Yes, I shower with the lights off, so. (laughs) (laughs) On that gross note, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. First in-studio episode since March of 2020 that is oh man we are a year and a half nearly a year and a half removed from seeing each other in person last it would have been march 15th 2020 unreal how do you get that specific because i remember the last day i ever went in the office (laughs) (laughs) it's been it's been sweet ever since oh man we we've actually been ready to come back into the studio for a little while now um but july was just a complete write-off in 11 different ways Especially for Evan, who is congratulations moving into a brand new home. There's nothing to congratulate. It's, I've I've worked harder in the past. What's today? What is today? It's Monday. Monday. Oh yeah, yesterday when I went golfing, I asked had to ask them what day it was to make sure I showed up for the right tea time. <laughs> anyway, I have worked harder since the day we've closed than I have cumulatively in the past year since i started working from home i'm sure your employer's jacked to hear that (laughs) it's just the volume of work that is involved in cleaning out one house and then moving to another with all the stuff that goes on involved with it i hope that that is the second last move we ever do evan worked hard in undergrad to make sure he didn't have to do physical labor and then the chump went out and bought a house and then i ended up doing too much physical labor yeah well um this is going to be strange uh, for listeners, uh, obviously, um, wherever you get your podcasts and YouTube, uh, if the audio sounds different or something's off or whatever, do not be afraid to deliver that feedback to us. It's important for us to know uh, and keep track of. So please let me know. Um, but we're just going to do our thing. I just had that we're not recording dumbest moment I'm going to have today. 
I went to take a drink of my beer. I'm like, oh, they probably shouldn't hear this. So I went to mute. I, I did that. I've done that. I've done <laughs> that like, 10 times. I can't do that anymore. I've done that 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. I need that button, man. I can't <laughs> exist without it. <laughs> how are we going to relearn how to podcast? It's my t- takes are going to be a thousand times worse because now I don't know anything. I haven't paid attention to the hockey world since Thursday. Well, yeah, I mean, that's basically fair. the day all those crazy trades and free agencies started having, I haven't paid attention at all. So my takes are going to be out of date and make no sense. Well, I mean, that's about when I turned my brain off. Like there was some kind of stuff towards the end of the free agency period where I was like, I can't. But pretty much once that all wrapped up, um, I just shut down and we took this long weekend. Yeah, it was happening too fast and too frequently. I just. I just said, I'll look for the Sparks note, and then I moved, and I haven't looked for it. So, Connor McDavid could be on the Red Wings, and I'd have no idea. <laughs> well, boy, do we have news for you. Yeah. Uh, no. Jordan Osterley is on. Which team, Evan? The Red Wings. Okay. All just right. making sure. All right. He's got it. <laughs> yeah, you're up to date. Uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we will be talking uh, about... Uh, a little bit more information about the event that we mentioned last episode, because some of you had some questions. We'll be talking about the Bertuzzi contract, uh, re-signed for two years. Uh, Verona and Ernie have filed for arbitration, and we'll uh, be doing some mention of the World Junior uh, Summer Showcase, um, some notes there. Uh, but first, of course, we do want to mention the Jamie Daniels Foundation, uh, who is a an organization that we're proud to partner with and uh, support with this new Uh, with this upcoming event in November. More on that in a second. The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels-Goldman. The foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and support, uh, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. All of you on uh, YouTube can see now how much I rely on my notes when doing readouts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, although I'm sure it was obvious before. Well, you didn't have that memorized? No, no. Um, actually, I do have a lot of it, but I really feel like I need to nail that one. Like with other ad reads, I was happy to ad lib, but that one I really want to get right. So I, I don't want to mess that up. Fair. November 13th against the Montreal Canadiens is Winged Wheel Podcast Night at Little Caesars Arena. We are very, very uh, excited to partner with the Detroit Red Wings to run that event. Um, the A portion of the proceeds from every ticket will benefit the Jamie Daniels Foundation. There's going to be a pre-event uh, meetup uh, in the Little Caesars Arena where Evan will sign as many autographs as you ask him to. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's like one of my top things I dislike, but I will do it. I oh, will man. do it. That's how you know. That, Evan, that's the biggest commitment anyone's made to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Yeah, you know, as as the man of the people, I, ha- I, I have to do it, but I hate doing it. So, I'll do it. What's the reason? Is it you just can't spell your own name? or <laughs> That and I just still find it so weird that anyone would ever want that. Or I'm still amazed people... This this whole ticket thing has just been another one of those pinch me moments where it's like, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Evan, you're working with the Red Wings. You need to keep up here, man. We have uh, <laughs> we had a very big we're going to need a bigger boat moment when we were looking at the amount of you who are interested. <laughs> yeah, that was a 
our our estimation estimations uh, were off by triple digits. So, oh boy! If you want to fill out the interest survey, let us know uh, that you want to come to the event, so we can message you when tickets go on sale, and also let us know uh, what kind of tickets you'd be comfortable with, and a few other pieces of information. Uh, go to wingedwheelpodcast.com/blog. Uh, and you'll see the post there, click in and you'll see the link to the survey as well as all the other information about the event or um, just uh, go to the description of this episode. I'll have the link in there. All right. Yeah. And it is important to get that filled out if you are planning on coming because it does determine how many sections we will need. Let's get to hockey. It's uh, that was a little bit of a long preamble. So for those of you who like uh, don't like the long preamble, I apologize. We will be working to rein that in. <laughs> um, Tyler Bertuzzi. Two-year contract signed, uh, walking him directly to free agency or unrestricted free agency with the Red Wings uh, at an AAV of was it four point seven five? Yeah, if not that exactly, something very four point seven five for two years. Yeah. So um, shorter term. I almost don't care about the dollars, but shorter term than yeah. I was expecting. Yeah, I don't know what I was expecting. I. We knew it wouldn't be a one year just because that walks him to the first year he's eligible for unrestricted free agency. So they're buying zero UFA years there, um, which is probably why his AAV went up versus the previous contract. Because as good as he was this year, he played, what, nine games? Yeah, so that, well. that wasn't a big enough sample size to justify a raise, no matter how good he was. Although some would argue his last contract came in lower than expected. Um you didn't want to give a guy with back injury, with a back injury and a lot of uncertainty, a five, six, seven year contract. So I think I was expecting something in the two to four year range. Obviously, coming in at the lower end is interesting. It's like the only word I can think of because it's hard to classify it as a prove it deal for a guy who's 25. Like you're not, he's not getting an eight year contract coming out of this at 27, 28 years old, whatever he'll be. Um, and Iserman is absolutely not the GM to give a 27, 28 year old, uh, seven, eight year contract. So I don't know what fully to make of this. Cause my gut reaction when I saw the contract as, as is, is, oh, this is trade bait, mm-hmm. but that's way too speculative because he's coming off a back injury. So there's legitimate reasons, even if they plan on keeping him to go short term, because they still don't fully know what Tyler Bertuzzi they're getting this upcoming season according to everything that's come out from tyler and the team injury progress is fine but until you get into a game you don't know that so yeah aav be damned the wings have a billion dollars in cap space and it doesn't matter and he's a good player who cares yeah the two years it's he's got a year Mm -hmm. or he's gone if he even makes it that far, because it was what Mantha got five months from his contract extension before he was in Washington. Yeah. So yeah, you don't have to be scared of you know any contract means you're yeah. locked in. That's not the case with Eisman. Yeah. I think what I've ultimately come to in my head is I don't think Eisman signed this contract with the intent to trade him or not. This is just a risk management contract. Like, hey, if this goes well, we can keep him. If this goes well, we can trade him. If this goes poorly, we're not locked into anything. Yeah, I totally agree. Like at all value, like, well, for me, it's at face value. Um, <laughs> it it completely seems fine to me. It's low term. Red Wings aren't up against the cap, like, and they can use it in many different ways. They can re-sign them later, and I don't imagine the dollar value will be high. 
or they can trade them and use it to collect more more picks. So to me, it's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my honest take here, and this is uh, maybe something that I would have kept down because it might piss some people off. But my first take and something that I can't shake is I think he's gone by the deadline. I don't think you're wrong in saying that uh, the injury has something to, to factor in here. Because you don't sign a guy long-term coming off a major back injury without knowing that he can play. For sure, that's part of it. Two years, like, what are the options that aren't trade? He plays well. You don't want to sign. Like you said, Brad, you're not going to sign a guy for seven, eight years at age 28. So what are you buying? Like four years, maybe five. That's an expensive contract. Um, the kind of game that Tyler plays, we don't really know how the age curve is going to go yet. Um, he sucks or he doesn't have as great of seasons, which I don't really predict to happen unless the back injury has, is degenerative or was, you know, impeded his development. Um, you can lock him in lower. Sure. But his value is so high right now. And there's so much interest like NHL playoff teams really see what hard nosed players do in the playoffs, like players who can just get under your skin produce. That means you can have that grit and sandpaper in your top six and not lose production really. Um, and as you know, a lot of people always say players who can play with good players are valuable. So Bertuzzi has a lot of interest around the league. I hope Bertuzzi stays a red wing. Cause that'd be fantastic. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone at the deadline, really this deadline will be the most opportune time to trade him. Cause he'll have a year plus, which means two playoffs on his contract for whatever team wants to acquire him, which means the most value for Eisman if he is moving him. I will concede. I think you're right, Brad. I don't think Eisman signed that contract with one thing in mind or another. It's just a flexibility contract. Yeah, and it's it's a harsh reality to admit, but in the long-term interest of this team, it is probably better to move him sooner than later because Bertuzzi's aging curve is risky and not at the same time. He doesn't rely on skating. So... There's no age curve risk there. Guys who don't rely on skating tend to age all right because it's the other parts of their game. You don't lose your hands in your 30s. You don't lose your brain in your 30s. And those are two huge parts of Bertuzzi's game. But physicality is another huge part of Bertuzzi's game. And that is something you do lose into your 30s. So that he could go either way, especially with the back injury. His age, whether we want to admit it or not, is not likely to line up with the Red Wings contending window. Which sucks because, you know, they're turning it around faster than I think we all even thought. And even going into this season, we're looking at them going, yeah, they might, they're probably not bottom five in the league, which is not something I thought I'd be saying at this point, like without really having to justify it. And again, yeah, a year and a half rental, that's, he'd get a big haul. That's like a first round pick plus a good prospect. So, like, not quite the haul Mantha got, but probably not far off. Tampa will take your first and Calfoot. <laughs> Done. Tampa first, though. I don't know. That's what, pick 35 at this point? Yeah. How honestly, good they you gotta are? get, no, this is, this is Mark Bergevin territory. Oh, I here. want Montreal's picks so badly, yeah. man. And he is, the, and let's be honest, Bertuzzi. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, Bergevin's and someone needs to take away Montreal's first round picks. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not going to be the NHL. <laughs> yeah. It won't be the NHL. Some team needs to do it because wow. Yeah. yeah. Everything about Tyler Bertuzzi is exactly what Mark Bergevin wants in a player minus the he's not a sex offender. The, <laughs> the, the last thing I will say is the counter to what you said, Brad, of long term future in terms of the assets you can get. It's best to move Bertuzzi. 
I also think more and more I'm starting to lend credence to the argument of you need butts and seats. You need players who have been there through the rebuild and are still good on the other side. You can't have only young guns and you need leaders on the team. And I think Bertuzzi would fit all of that. So my, my, my personal opinion on what Eisenman should do, because of course that matters, um, is if someone blows you away with an offer, like what Washington did for Mantha, then you got to think about that pretty seriously. But if it's just weakling offers or teams try to squeeze you out because they know you want to move Bertuzzi, no, don't extend him. I don't think it really matters about Bertuzzi putting butts in the seats because the Red Wings have a ton of high-end prospects coming up who will put butts in seats and who will start making names for them. You know, maybe Bertuzzi in the short term will put butts in seats, but I think long well i guess the contract's only two years so it doesn't even really matter but long term it'll be those high-end prospects who start putting butts in seats so whether they trade them now or in two years or a year and a half i don't know if it really affects the butts in seats that badly so what do you guys think in a year what, we're what? putting the butts in the seats now <laughs> we are putting butts in the seats that's what it's all about now tyler we're kidding please tyler um what do you guys think about Let's say, I don't know when, uh, I can't think of the exact date when you can extend someone. Next year, after one year of Bertuzzi's contract, what's the likelihood of an extension? What, what, what Arbitrary percentage. Like, we've been having this whole conversation on the preface that Bertuzzi is Bertuzzi this year. The back injury affects nothing. Um, I, I really don't know because, honestly, what's going to determine Bertuzzi's future is what the prospects do. If they think they have enough of a base there, they can move on without him, then, yeah, asset manage more management standpoint they should because i know you made the point about you need the guys who have been there done that no offense to Pertuzzi, he hasn't been there hasn't done that he's never played in a playoff game oh i, I mean i was talking about that in the context of the red wings yeah, yeah haven't been <laughs> but but look at look at what it took to get troy stetcher mark stall and nick letty you can get that experience for not a lot so i i don't put a ton of value into that i understand that it is valuable to the team but it does not take a lot of value to get it mm-hmm. Um, so if Bertuzzi comes in and Bertuzzi has, let's just say he's exactly on pace like he had for the last year and change that he's played. If he's willing to take a three or a four year contract, that's the ideal outcome because, you know, picks and prospects are great, but with Bertuzzi, you get, I don't know what you want to call it, cost certainty. You know, you have a good player and he's going to be a good player. You can get a first round pick at like 22 overall, but. There's no guarantee that guy's going to be anything better than a third liner. Hell, if you pick a guy at like pick 25 and he is a third liner, that's not bad value for that pick, like mm-hmm. overall speaking. So um, you want to keep Bertuzzi on for as long as you can, especially if the wings are turning the corner. But that is ultimately going to come down to his contract demands. Yeah. Because if he's like, no, nah, I want Zach Hyman money or – don't even talk to me. In which case, he's on the first bus to Vegas that I can find. <laughs> to Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Who, who uh, did have interest in Tyler Bertuzzi. Yeah, I think really, it, it, I think it all comes down to this here. And that doesn't mean just Tyler Bertuzzi. It means the Red Wings and their prospects. I think you, you need to look at it from a holistic view and how everything, all those pieces work out. I think you'll have a better picture on Tyler Bertuzzi's future on the team. Yeah. Um, my thing that I do where I go back and apologize to Brad, I can't believe I'm doing this on the first day back. <laughs> I gave Brad a lot of hell for when he said Bertuzzi might be a 
a better hymen um, even soon or could be in the future. And I kind of push back on Brad on that. Looking at Bertuzzi's point totals and knowing the contract Hyman just got, I think we might actually be looking at a situation where that was for the contract demands. And that for sure was in Bertuzzi's mind when he when this uh, negotiation was going on because he's saying like, Zach Hyman just got all those years for what it was at seven million or six five million and change for seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bertuzzi's worst season outside of the seven games he played in sixteen seventeen was half a point per game. That was his worst. Yeah. So what does a half a point per game forward get you? Like five million bucks? I don't for, know. For someone with the intangibles, which I don't think they're intangibles, like the guy is tough to play against and can play up and down the lineup and gets under your the opponent's skin and your fans love him, that's worth a lot of money, I think. It, should it be? I don't know. Yeah, and Bertuzzi didn't have the advantage of playing with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. Like it's say what you want, but you know, that's playing with Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg's what got Justin Abdelkader 30 million. Yeah. I was, I was on uh, the hockey 401 podcast because he wanted to talk about some of the free agency stuff. And I mentioned, I'm like, like, does anybody outside of Detroit not see the eerie similarities between Justin Abdelkader and Zach Hyman going into the contracts? Same rough point totals, playing with two superstars, same age, same term. Like, how is nobody else seeing this? In fact, the last full season each of them played before the contract, Abdelkader's point totals were better. Like, I was nobody outside of Detroit piecing this together. It's crazy to me. Heinemann went to Edmonton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Woo. Oh, that is Ken Holland's music. The worst part <laughs> is, uh, Evan, we had a full-blown conversation about this in the chat, so I know your brain is just on full-on, like, I have... Fr- no, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I have friends who are new parents. There's a bouncer at the front of Evan's brain letting one in at one piece of information in at a time. It's just a small Evan with sunglasses. Um, I have friends who are new parents and they are doing the same thing as you. Just like hard mom, dad brain where they just forget shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's that? <laughs> okay well that's tyler bertuzzi that won't be the last tyler bertuzzi conversation and if you want proof remember everything how uh when we brought up the mantha conversation and when it had actually happened yeah there was no lull there um before i jump to the next topic we didn't even talk about the coolest part of this episode in the intro we were talking to red savage today right yeah yeah oh it feels weird because we recorded Pro- it no few days ago so it's like yeah we don't have memories that far back as it's evidenced by evan well no i i remember it because i've never been more invested in a player's jersey number with the red wings than i am with red savage now yeah which you guys will hear later but i'm i'm invested yes uh before we jump into that though let's talk about the two red wings rfas who have filed for arbitration so jacob rana and adam ernie have both uh filed for arbitration which is a completely normal step um that window is coming up and if you're a restricted free agent with arbrights uh and no contract that's just what you do the arbitration dates haven't been set um the red wings can negotiate with those players all the way really up until the conclusion of the arbitration hearings like it's happened before i think it was pk subin where the arbitration hearing they recessed they went out in the hallway they hammered out the deal and then the arbitration was over because they just worked out the contract so the arbitration doesn't take effect until the uh arbiter hits the gavel i don't know we should ask them is there a gavel but they they make a yeah the arbitration the zoom room this oh god um no this is in the states they got to be in in person now yeah they've been way way longer than we have um 
Yeah, but that contract can come until the end. So that's a long-winded way of saying don't panic, but let's talk about it. Adam Ernie, 26 years old, Jacob Verona, 25 years old, both of them coming off of some of their best seasons of their careers. Yeah, this is going to be fascinating for both of them for different reasons. And I could understand why Iserman's not going to be super worried if it goes to arbitration because with Ernie, he's a one-year wonder at 26. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from Adam Ernie. He had a fantastic year on his own merits because he did not have a great supporting cast when he was putting up those numbers. But he's only done it once and he's 26. So there is very much an argument to be made there. Like, yeah, there's no guarantee this is sustainable. Um, so that'll be Eiserman's argument. And then with Vrana, he's got a longer track record of putting up very good point totals. But Eiserman's like, well, yeah, most of those came with Washington mm-hmm. and he's got a very small sample size in Detroit. So I could see either case favoring the player or the team. I'd be surprised if one or both actually made it to arbitration. Um, since I know those guys probably realize they don't have a lot of leverage outside of Detroit right now. Yeah. Cause Verona didn't come in with a great reputation because he was getting benched and playing down the lineup in Washington and Adam Ernie again, one year he doesn't have the track record. So they're, they're both very, very fascinating to me for very different reasons. And I could see it going both ways, which is going to make the next few weeks, like some lead to some super interesting conversations that we're not going to be privy to. Yeah. Why? Why is that? Oh, uh, yeah, Eiserman. It's just Leak City in Detroit, right? <laughs> like we're gonna get. <laughs> Someone messaged me and they were like, "Hey, do you know what the holdup is with the RFA contracts?" I was like, "Hold, hold on, let me just check in with Steve." Like, I don't know. <laughs> you think I'm sitting on that information, bro? I have a Red Wings podcast. I tweet that out yesterday. <laughs> if if you ask Steve what he had for breakfast today, there's a 75 percent <laughs> chance you're not getting an answer. Uh, Steve, what'd you have for breakfast today? Was it oatmeal? Are you asking if it was if I what I had for breakfast? Or are you telling me it was oatmeal? Uh, I uh, was it oatmeal? I don't know. What do you think? I can confirm I ate today. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We <laughs> ate. Um, yeah, I don't like to say that uh, when we eat or don't eat. I, I just don't think uh, it's really necessary. It's not what I do, but uh, yeah, you don't. We we ate. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! This podcast was a mistake. Yeah, it certainly Anyways. was. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you, Brad. I don't, I'm not worried about Ernie's number. I'm not, I'm actually not worried about either of their numbers. And that's just a symptom of like the Red Wings having a million billion dollars in salary cap. Ernie's number, I, I don't see coming in high. Even off of a career year, he had, uh, what was it? 20 points, 20 points in about 45, 40, yeah. 45 games. If I'm being honest, I don't care what Adam Ernie's number is with the amount of cap space the Red Wings have I don't like I'm obviously being hyperbolic but I don't care if it's two million or five million because there's no way Stevie's signing Adam Ernie long term there's an argument to be made that they should sign Jacob Verona to a longer term deal so I'm a little more invested in his contract negotiations because I'm a big Jacob Verona fan um I want Verona is like one of the few guys in his mid-20s on this team that I will actively sit here and say with no hesitation, I want him through this. Oh, yeah. He is a legit wow. good player and a legit player that the Red Wings don't have anywhere else in the lineup with what his skill set is and his finishing ability and his shot and his elite goal-scoring production. Because, again, we can talk about all we want about what his overall totals were in Washington, but he's always near the league lead in goals per 60 at even strength. And everybody's like, yeah, well, he's not playing with the guys in Washington that he is going to, now that he's in Detroit, 
Except he was playing on the third line in Washington, so he wasn't playing with it. And then he came to Detroit and his goal scoring rate went up. So like I I'm a big Jacob Rana fan. So if 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 it were me and Rana's like, here's my number, give me whatever turn you want, I'm happily signing a four, five, six year contract with him. You're looking at a Mantha deal then. Yeah, something along those lines is what I would like to see for for, for Verona. Mantha's was four times five point seven. That'd be perfectly fine with me. Are they the same age? Ninety four. No, Verona's a year or two younger. Yeah, yeah, Verona's. Yeah, I would love UFA years bought. I agree. I wonder. Eisman did say. I mean, don't listen to what he says, but Eisman did say we're not doing long term on anyone. But I wonder if Verona's one of the exceptions, and that is. That's purely based on what their professional opinion is of him. Like, what do your own pro scouts think? And what does the team think of Rana? Is that 11-game sample a demonstration? Or was it a flash in the pan like maybe you think with Ernie? Just putting the pin in this Ernie thing. All the reasons we talk about uh, why Tyler Bertuzzi might be valuable at the trade deadline in a more tempered way. Same thing goes for Adam Ernie in my mind. But we can circle back on that. Yes and no. Ernie doesn't have name recognition as we've seen this free agency. Name recognition and reputation almost matter more than actual production. I, how dare you besmirch the good name of Adam Ernie? Eight goal, what was it? Eight goal? He had like an eight game point streak or something? I, oh, no. I, what I'm saying is Adam Ernie is legitimately good and nobody outside of Detroit realizes it. <laughs> that was the point I was making. So it means nothing for his trade value. Yeah, Verona's last contract was 3.35. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this number is going to come in at. Similar to Mantha, I think would be good. I, I just, I almost wouldn't want four years though, because that would take him to what, age 29? Perfect. We get all of his prime. I'd rather buy up a couple more years. Oh, you're saying you want five or six years? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, would, cheaper, I'd be fine with that. Takes him to 31. That's still, and I mean, I guess the real kicker here will be what kind of no move uh, clause would kick in once he's out of RFA status. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. But as you a point you made earlier is you need guys through this rebuild who have been there, done that. And we can legitimately use the line, Jacob Vrana, Stanley Cup champion. Oh, yeah. So that is that. a guy <laughs> that would be good to see through to have around when they get to the playoffs. Because even if he wasn't the biggest per, like producer in the playoffs because he was playing down the lineup, whatever, he's been there. He's literally done all of that. So that, that would be a good guy. Because like with Bertuzzi, he fits the prototypical mold of like your grizzled vet who's been there, done that. And Verona's more your skill guy. But in this case, the skill guy is the guy with the ring. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's value in having both of them there. And if they extend both of them long-term and they're both through the rebuild, that's a great scenario. But yeah, if, you know, Verona, there should be a real conversation. Just as much conversation with him as there is with Bertuzzi about do we want him long-term? And ultimately, I think with both, if they both perform well and their contracts are reasonable, the answer is yes. Verona, short, long-term, what kind of number? What kind of risk are you taking? Medium term. Yeah, I think like four to six years would be ideal. I mean, you get a guy who you know can score goals, can play up and down any composition of lineup. Um, and he's won. So to me, unless the number is absolutely egregious, I, I don't really care about the term. This is the cheapest you'll ever get. If you're a believer in Jacob Verona, which I think a lot of people are, most people listening to this podcast are, this is the cheapest you'll ever be able to get him. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I'll start by saying I don't 
think he's getting long-term because I this is one of the few things I believe Stevie on because he's got 11 games with the Detroit Red Wings, and I don't think that's enough of a sample size for Stevie to get super aggressive, and I understand it. But at the same time, one of the most important pieces of the Red Wings' future is Philip Zadina. And Jacob Verana showed unbelievable chemistry with Philip yes. Zadina. And that's yes. chemistry often gets overrated, but it isn't nothing. So if you have two guys who can make up a really, really good line in your top six, and they're both young and you can get them on reasonable contracts, and they're both elite producers, which Verana already is, Zadina probably will be, you probably want to keep that intact for as long as possible. Chris Kunitz played on the Canadian Olympic team just because <laughs> he plays well with Sidney Crosby. Fair. You're not wrong. Marty St. Louis, if you listen to this podcast, we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Although with the amount we talk about Steve Weisman, Marty St. Louis is absolutely not listening to this podcast. Absolutely not. Although a lot of people do rage listen to this podcast, as I've learned from the YouTube comments. <laughs> you still read those? Brian, why? Uh, I'm sick. And I haven't seen you guys in a while. So when you, I don't know, everything goes to hell in your head when you don't see people. I don't know if I've ever read a YouTube comment. I don't. I encourage you to not. Okay. I mean, you saw how they got on the live stream. If they're, if they're hard on you in the comments, I don't even want to know what's being said about me. So they, uh, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was actually going to make up like a really terrible insult. And then I had to remember that we were recording. <laughs> I absolutely cannot put that to record. Um, it's the kind of stuff we say off air. Okay. Um, that conversation is going to be ongoing. Final predictions. Ghost arbitration or signed beforehand for Ernie and Verona? What do you think? I think they'll both get signed. Arbitration. Like, even though Bertuzzi went to arbitration, overall arbitration is rare. Yeah, I agree. And nobody really wants to go through arbitration, players and teams. So I think it gets done before. I, I will even throw in, I think they'll both be short term. I, I would want one short one long term, but I think they'll both be short term. If this sounds like it's purely just to go against the grain, it is. Uh, Verona long term signs before Ernie through arbitration. I can oh. see it. The, to me, though, I feel like Verona, if either of them is going to go to arbitration, Verona is more likely because I feel like he has more leverage. He's got the track record. It's just not all with Detroit. And the arbiter is probably not going to give a crap about where it came from. This is the player. This is production. This is what he's worth. Whereas with Ernie, it's like, well, yeah, this is my production. And I'm going to go, what about this year, this year, this year? And the arbiter will go, hmm, it's not wrong. If I'm Adam Ernie, I take term because I'm Adam Ernie. <laughs> I don't and think that's even going to be off. Yeah, I think yeah. the longest contract I can imagine, and I am saying this now, so it's absolutely going to be longer. Uh, but in my head, the longest contract I can ever see Adam Ernie getting is four years. And even that would be crazy. And, uh, he should take that. Oh, I, I would say three. Yeah, three is much more likely because he, oh, he's 26. I could see four. Yeah. Do you, if you're Eisman though, are you giving a guy no, who's got one no. year under, good year under his belt, four years? Absolutely I sure as hell not. am not, unless he's taking league minimum. Yeah, no, definitely. Which not. Adam Ernie absolutely should not take league minimum. So, well, I mean, we've just put a lot of things to record. So, oh, yeah. So now everything we said, we said a lot of things. Take the few scenarios we didn't mention. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> You're welcome. We narrowed it down for you. All right. Uh, now is high time to jump into our interview with uh, Red Wings draft pick Red Savage, who I'm sure a lot of you watched at the World Junior Summer sh Summer Showcase. Uh, we recorded this interview uh, before he joined the showcase. Uh, he was a little under the weather, but uh, fantastic kid. Great interview. And uh, like Brad said, a lot to look forward to with the jersey number potentially. So if you weren't already rooting for Red Savage, because obviously he was a 
great draft pick that everyone loved with a uh, dope as hell name, uh, we're sure you're going to after this interview. So without further ado, uh, enjoy our chat with Redmond Savage. Red, I'm sure you hear this. You're going to hear this for the rest of your career, but this has to be uh, it's a very exciting interview interview for us because of who you are, but this has to be the coolest named guest to ever join the Winged Wheel podcast. So recently uh, drafted by the Detroit Red Wings, uh, 114th overall in the fourth round, a pick that Red Wings fandom and Winged Wheel podcast fans are really pumped about. Uh, Red Savage, welcome to the show. Thank you. I've been, uh, I've been listening for a little bit now and I'm excited to be on. Oh, really? Wow, that's awesome. You really buried the lead there. You didn't tell us that pre-show. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I listened to the last couple ones. Oh, that's great! Just in preparation and everything. Oh, that's good. I well, apologize for everything you had to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, we might not have talked so much. Uh, so, Red, walk us through what life has been like for you from the start of the draft on Friday uh, to hearing your name called on Saturday. How's everything been going? What's that experience like? Yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty nerve wracking to be honest. It's uh, a lot a lot different than it than you think going in you're you're sitting there and waiting for that draft felt like it felt lasted like 10 hours and uh i watched it outside with my family and it was it was pretty hot out and i was in my my dress pants and my my dress shirt and i was just leaking the whole time just just shaking waiting for my name to be called and uh yeah it was it was pretty relieving and pretty exciting to to be able to be drafted by by the red wings but such an amazing organization and to to be able to stay home i only live about 30 minutes from from the little caesars arena so it's pretty exciting what was the lead up to it like because i in a normal year a lot of crazy stories come out of the draft combine interviews conversations with scouts but obviously this being a weirder year um was there anything super memorable that just stood out leading up to the draft for you um yeah there's uh obviously a lot of interviews and uh a lot a lot of zoom calls one a few too many zoom calls it's uh it'd be a lot nicer if we were able to do it in person and uh be able to talk to to people face to face but yeah a lot of a lot of memories a lot of a lot of uh hard questions to ask by different scouts and and trying to to spit out the right answer when they're all staring at you but uh it was it was awesome and uh pretty memorable to to just be able to to talk to all the all the different scouts and 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 different organizations it's it's pretty cool when you're interviewing for your dream job any any weird interview questions because we've had some odd ones in the past but any stand out uh not too many like crazy crazy ones the the one that I found hardest to answer is I don't remember which scout it was, but they asked me why I wouldn't make the NHL. And it's like, you, you go into an interview like that and you're thinking of all the right things to say and, and how to pump yourself up as much as possible to these scouts. And, and the first question he asks is something that I, I got to just dog myself for a little bit and, and tell him why I wouldn't make it. But yeah, it was, it was a little, I had to think about it for a little bit, but it was, uh, it was good. So after you were drafted, um, did you get a call right away or right before your name was picked? And uh, if so, who'd you talk to from the Red Wings arc? Yeah, I, uh, I got a call after I got picked. I didn't, I didn't know. I found out in live and in person on the, on the TV that I got drafted. And 
it was actually a uh, I believe it was Draper's daughter. She was working for the P- PR uh, PR staff, and and she was the first one to call me on on behalf of the the PR staff, and and got me acquainted with everyone there, and uh, it really just uh, branched off from there. Have you talked to Stevie yet? I have not. No, he's a, he's a pretty busy man right now. He's got the whole Iser plan going, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll talk to him in the next couple couple weeks. Yeah, because you know there's zero chance you're keeping your number when you get to Detroit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought about that. I I might have to might have to think about changing my number. I don't I don't think I'm taking that out of the rafters anytime soon. <laughs> what's the, what's the backup plan? What numbers have been running through your mind? Yeah, uh, I mean Twitter's obviously been giving me quite a few numbers to pick from. <laughs> uh a big one my my older brother ryan he he plays at miami right now and uh he wears number 21 and it, it says 21 savage on the back of his jersey which is kind of cool the players <laughs> i'm just saying that's le- that's the contender right there that's got to be the leading option <laughs> yeah but i i can't take my number my brother's number so i, I don't know I, I gotta choose 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 a different one and and hope that that twitter's okay with it uh, well, the number won't matter as long as you're the first Red Wing to put your first and last name on the back of the jersey. You could pick whatever number you want, and I think everybody would be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I, I saw different tweets saying I should be number sixty nine and and stuff like that, and so it's, uh, it's all pretty funny. You're not going to not get fans doing that, but uh, I can understand <laughs> why why players might. Like, can you imagine someone on Lula Morello's team picking sixty nine? There's no chance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that'll that'll go over well. <laughs> so, uh, your dad, Brian Savage, obviously played uh, had, a, had a long career in the NHL, most of it with Montreal, and then uh, popped over to Phoenix and St. Louis and Philly. And you were born in Scottsdale, actually, right? Yeah, I was born after he got uh, he got dealt from from Montreal to Phoenix, and then then I was born and uh, had my my youth, my baby days, and traveling around. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, being the son of a, an established NHL player and someone who's so involved in hockey, what was that? What's that like for you? How, how was that coming up through the ranks? And uh, what kind of perspective did you have, uh, you know, having a dad who was established in the NHL? Yeah, it's obviously a, a pretty big bonus and a pretty big step ahead than, than pretty much everyone around you. It's just the knowledge and and everything that, that he he knows going into just developing you and and shaping you into the the best hockey player that you can be you know he he went through it all he he persevered quite a bit he actually quit hockey for two years in high school to to pursue golf and uh came back just because he missed it and his buddies were playing and and turned out to be the right decision (laughs) so uh he knows what it what it's like to to battle through everything and uh if you put your mind to it you can you can really really do whatever you want and uh it's it's all about uh the things you do away from the rink that that build you into a hockey player so to jump into you as a hockey player i'm not going to be like that scout and ask you what's going to keep you out of the nhl but i'm going to kind of throw a curveball we've all seen the scouting reports on what type of player you are you know a hard competitor 200 foot player just relentless energy what i want you to tell us is what part of your game is underrated and do you think we don't talk about enough 
Yeah, I think the the most underrated part of my game is my offense. I think it, a lot of people dog me on on my offense and my point production, but uh, I didn't I didn't play a lot on the power play this year. And uh, I mean, there's obviously a ton of guys on my team that were pretty high, highly skilled and and deserved it just as much as anyone. But uh, yeah, I got I was pretty high on on my team in, in points. I think I was I was top five, and uh, none of that being being a man on the advantage and, and most of them was either five on five or on the penalty kill. So I think uh, my offensive game goes quite a bit under the radar because uh, I didn't get those opportunities on the power play for most of the year. And uh, I think just uh, my creativity is, is something that goes a little underrated. So you're playing center. Um, you're projected as a center, and that's something that Red Wings fans are really excited about because you know depth down the middle is something that the organization's not had for a little while. You coming up through the ranks, how difficult has it been to kind of stick to that center role, and uh, what kind of challenges, and, and how are you preparing yourself for uh, that transition to the NHL to kind of stay in that spot to drive a line? Yeah, the biggest part about being a center is is being responsible wherever you are on the ice. You got to be a full two hundred foot player. You can't you can't be a a one hundred foot player if you're if you're a centerman. So uh, I think the biggest thing is I I really work a lot on on the details of the game and and try to make sure that that wherever I am on the ice, I, I'm I'm just doing whatever the coach really wants me to and and pursuing the most detail and, and execution as possible, whether that's that's winning draws. Uh, I really focused on winning draws this year or, or being responsible in the D zone or, or being, being responsible and, uh, defensively responsible in the offensive zone as well. Not, not cheating or, or trying to fish for, for offensive opportunities, but to really just try to be the backbone of the team and, and just, uh, focus on, on that, that part of the game. Which current Red Wing do you think your play style would have the best chemistry with yeah it's so someone that i actually practiced with over the in a couple summers ago he's uh, also from from sudbury like my parents is tyler brutuzzi i think uh he plays a pretty hard-nosed game and and uh attacks pretty pretty hard on on pucks and and wins a lot of battles whether it's in front of the net or in the corner so i think him and I would would go to g- together pretty well because we we play a pretty similar style. All right, I actually got a, to, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I got an interesting follow up to that just because obviously one of your attributes that's been listed over and over again is you got a high hockey IQ, and there's been this debate in the hockey world forever. How does chemistry work, and how should lines be constructed? So obviously, you and Bert would be very very similar players now. Do you think it's more beneficial for your team to have a line of similar players like that so you can all kind of read each other off better? Or do you think there's more advantage to mixing it up and putting like hypothetically a Chaz Lucius on your line or in Detroit, that would be a Philip Zadina in terms of then you get the best of both worlds. So I guess my overall question is, do you ram one line strength down the other team's throat or do you mix it up a bit? Yeah, I think it, uh, it really just depends on what what your goal is for that line. Uh, throughout our year, we had we had uh, two really high offensive, high scoring, point producing lines that that uh, that really were were pretty great offensively and and pretty pretty awesome creativity. And then 
uh, my line had a had a role of of playing against the top lines against the other teams where uh, our biggest job was was keep it out of our end and and keep it in their end as much as possible because those those top lines again that you want that you play against in in the USHL and in college hockey they don't they really don't like playing defense and uh, the best the best way to keep the puck out of your net is to keep it in their their zone so uh, my line was consistent of of really hardworking guys that that uh, played with a lot of pace and uh, a lot of work ethic. So we ended up logging a lot of minutes, even though we weren't maybe the most offensive line out of the bunch, but we ended up logging a lot of minutes because we played against those top lines. So uh, it all just depends on, on what you're trying to do. I think uh, one of my attributes is that, that I can play up and down the lineup and, and fit in, in, in those different roles and in those different lines. So, I think the the biggest goal is whatever the coach is trying to do with that line, whether it's create offense or or create a, a shut down those top lines and and try to try to evade those top goal scorers on the other team from the point sheet as much as possible. So, Red, you're you've just been drafted by the Red Wings, and now you have an NHL career to hopefully build. What's next for you uh, this summer? I know we were talking about the showcase that's going on right now, and and where do you see yourself next season? What are some options that, uh, or actually, we know where you're going. So, why don't you talk us through that? Yeah, yeah, I plan on going to Miami of Ohio next year to to play with uh, my older brother Ryan. He's going to be a junior next year, and it's going to be the the first time that we're going to be able to play together in our lives because uh, we're three years apart. So it's kind of that awkward age gap where uh, I was, I was never good enough to play three years up and uh, he was always a lot, a lot bigger and stronger than me. So uh, we never really got to play on the same team. So um, I'm super excited to be able to play with him for the first time. And uh, I'm excited for the organization. I think uh, they had a little bit of a rough year last year and uh i'm hoping to be able to go in and, and have a pretty big opportunity to to make an impact throughout the lineup and and play in in key situations where uh i might not might not have had in in different colleges that uh ha, might have different uh amount of skill groups be honest have you already uh messaged the coach petitioning to get him on this to get you on the same line as your brother <laughs> Yeah, we're. Uh, I've talked to the coach quite a bit, and uh, yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that that we'll be able to play together at least for a little bit and see see how our chemistry is and see how we play together. Uh, he, my brother's got a really good shot, so I'm hoping that that we'll be able to play together and I can uh, rack up a couple assists with him. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of family ties, you are not allowed to answer the next question with Brian Savage. What NHL player did you idolize growing up? And if it's a different player, what player in the NHL today uh, do you model your game after? Yeah, um, my biggest uh, person that I looked up to throughout not only my whole life, but really the past couple of years is Nick Foligno. He's, uh, he actually lives up on our lake in Sudbury. We, uh, we're, we're a quick boat right away and uh, we we used to work out together and, and skate together in the summers when when I used to go up to Sudbury to throughout the summer with with all my family up there and uh, he's someone that uh, I have on my contact list and uh, uh, I really enjoy talking to him and, and jogging his brain about whatever I can whether it's it's leadership and and uh, professionalism or just anything throughout the game I 
I, I like to talk to him and, and get, get his input on, on whatever I can. And, uh, I really owe a lot to him on, on why I was, I was chose captain and why, why I improved so much as a leader this, this past year. Kind of on the same question, cause obviously you grew up around the NHL. Um, were there any big or memorable personalities you were around a lot other than your dad, obviously, um, that kind of left an impression on you in the same sense that Nick did just at a much younger age. Yeah. My, my dad had a, had a ton of, of pretty, pretty cool friends growing up that, that I, I didn't realize back then, but looking back on it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing that, uh, Shane Doan coached me for a year when I was like eight years old and his son, Josh was my captain when I was eight. I was, I was playing a year up and, uh, I was struggling on the fourth line as an eight year old. So, um, yeah, he, he was awesome. Uh, uh, my dad's pretty good friends with Jeremy Roenick. So, uh, we used to go over to his house a ton in, in Scottsdale and looking back on it now, it's, it's pretty surreal to, to be able to say that, you know, all those people. And I got like sign sticks from, from a ton of different people that my dad played with, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And, uh, yeah, a ton of, ton of people that, that, that I, that I used to be around that, that I look, look back at now and that, uh, I think it's pretty cool. So uh, just before we wrap up here, um, as I understand it, you actually have a cool kind of Red Wings historical uh, tidbit for us. Yeah, my my great uncle, my my grandma's brother is is Larry Hillman. He was the the youngest person to ever win a Stanley Cup, and he won it with the Red Wings. Uh, he was uh, eight eighteen and two months old when when he won it, and uh, he won he won a ton, ton of other cups with the. Uh, other organizations but yeah he was the youngest to ever do it and uh will be always the youngest because they changed the rules and you have to be 18 in september now to be able to get into the nhl so uh just a little fun fact that i had in, in store but you'll get family bragging rights if you do it because he did it with six teams if you do it it'll be with 32 teams yeah 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 <laughs> hopefully <laughs> well uh that's cool that you still have uh you already have a family prep pedigree on the cup so here's to uh hoping that you one day add the savage name to the uh to the cup just to round that out a little bit yeah hopefully yeah well, i appreciate that yeah have you uh have you by chance talked to anyone else from the um the red wings draft class i know you just mentioned josh Doan, and he was picked uh 37th by arizona which is obviously cool so uh, have you talked to him or have you chatted with any of the other red wings picks by chance yeah, yeah, I, I actually talked to Shy today, Shy William today, and congratulated him on the draft. Uh, and Carter Mazer is also also at the the World Select invite, and uh, I I bump into them too all the time, and congratulate them, and uh, hopefully we can be teammates in a couple of years. That that'd be pretty cool. He's a he's they're both great guys, and uh, I would be excited if I was a Red Wings fan for them too. Correct me if I'm wrong. You played against Carter, right? In uh, when you were younger in the Little Caesars program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my uh, Beltire and Compuware teams had some some pretty intense bouts uh, against uh, Draper's uh, Little Caesars team, which is uh, pretty cool looking back on now. There there are a lot of chirps flying throughout those games. Both of our teams were were top in the nation and 
pretty high skilled so our our games would get pretty intense and uh now looking back on it i'm i'm really good friends with with draper and, and draper's kid keenan and all all the guys on on little caesars it's it's pretty cool looking back well yeah we're happy you're on uh, not just carter's side but draper's side too now uh red we're pumped to watch your growth as you as a red wings prospect both uh this summer and next year even though you're moving to the state of ohio so you know i have to get my dig in there but uh no it's it's going to be great and uh we look forward to watching your pro your progress yeah thank you all right much appreciated and uh let's do this again awesome yeah <laughs> i'll be here anytime perfect red savage everyone and that was our chat with uh, Red Wings fourth round, 114th overall pick, Red Savage. Uh, Red obviously went on to play in the World Junior Summer Showcase uh, and had a good showing there. Nice of him to recover, uh, to be able to recover and get back in. But yeah, 21 Savage kind of has to happen. <laughs> it has to happen. We told Evan, Evan wasn't able to make that interview and we told him and he had no reaction. And we just, Brad and I just kind of looked at him and he was like, this is how I know I'm getting old. That. <laughs> didn't affect me one way or another the worst part is 21 there's so many fun memes around 21 savage because uh at one point he was deported to great britain and i think he was living in atlanta and it came out that he was actually born in the uk and just the the, the british uh, the like the british rap 21 savage memes that populated the internet was were amazing i definitely missed that <laughs> This guy, this guy hosts a hockey podcast, barely knows where players are. He definitely didn't catch the 21 <laughs> That Savage. is way outside my sphere, that's yeah. for sure. Um, okay, we'll talk a little bit about the World Junior Summer Showcase that happened in Plymouth. Um, I think I want to start with Carter Mazur, and that's probably something that we have to address first. On the draft review episode, we talked about the players that the Red Wings picked within the scope of the draft. So not just the players but where they were picked. And uh, we met the Carter Mazer, or the Carter Mazer pick was met with a good amount of criticism from us in terms of like value and who was left on the board. And I mean, I don't think we take any of that back, nope. but now that that's done and you know, the draft reviews, the draft review, I think it's important to zero in on the players. They no longer have their draft stock attached to them, or at least not in a way where it affects who the player is. Because as we saw in this world junior summer showcase, Carter Mazer, very effective player on the ice and you can absolutely see a role he could play on not just the world junior team but grand rapids and detroit in the future maybe like that i, I just want to focus on this is a great example of uh the pick and the player being somewhat separate in terms of evaluation yeah it, it's a lot of super interesting things happened and specifically for the red wings prospect on the u.s team mazer especially because he was playing both special teams, mm -hmm. scored a couple goals, uh, very different goals too. One super greasy goal and one off the rush. You could argue the goal he should have had it, but it was still a hell of a shot. Yeah. From the top of the circle. That was a yeah. good, I was surprised. That was a really good shot. That was a really good shot. Um, again, you can, we can still argue the point. Do you draft guys who project as bottom six forwards in the third round? Nah, you probably want to swing more than that. But that being said, if you end up with a guy who's a good bottom six player in the third round, that's still tremendous value. It's, yeah. kind, of, it's kind of the, catch 22 of it all. And, and Mazer was really showing the versatility in his game, which was good. It, it's funny. We'll talk about the WJSS as a whole here, but like almost the three most impressive players for the Red Wings at this tournament were all on the American team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Mazer almost arguably the most 
probably relative to his draft position. Um, but yeah, he had, he was in every situation. He played the whole tournament. He was playing well. I think Savage probably had more impact, but he played less games. So there's the whole sample size thing. But yeah, no, it was, it was really reassuring to see a guy we didn't know a lot about, didn't love him that he was an overager reentry. We didn't love picking him over some of the guys who were available, but seeing him up against his peers was good. And again, we'll talk about it with the rest of them, but towards the end of the, I shouldn't say the end, the last few games where Team USA started playing their quote unquote A team together, um, factoring in a, a good amount of injuries, but Booyam, Mazer and Savage were all playing still. Yeah, which like, is they were on the quote unquote A squad. Now it doesn't mean they're all going to play for the World Juniors because again the states were missing four, five, six guys due to injury. So I think all three of those guys are going to be fringe to make the team. But the fact that they have three guys who were drafted this year fringe to make the World Junior Showcase and none of them were drafted in the first round, it's a really good sign. Yeah, and there's a lot of. Uh there's a lot of great players that don't play in the world juniors just because a it's not necessarily always the best however many players they they bring to the tournament um because gms and coaches for international teams have the same not flaws but quirks in terms of roster construction uh and b like there's just so much subjectivity and there's so much development that happens after like so don't get caught up if carter mazer or someone doesn't make the world junior team but it is a massive bonus if they do um shy booyam the we talked about the things that the red wings drafted him for and that's exactly what he displayed the way he activated on offense the way he used his uh, ability to carry the puck not only just to break out but break into the zone um nice hands I, I thought really good hands while moving. Really good deception to his game. That little subtlety to misdirect what he's going to do with the puck and throws opponents off. I like it. He's he's risky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> I like that. I'm a fan of that. I'm a big fan of taking chances. My hair goes gray. But uh, Edmondson's no different. Like, I watch yeah. the things that happen in front of the net. I'm like, ah. But it's good. No, like, I'm a bum. I hate fun. So, don't listen to me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you see exactly why the Red Wings picked him where they did. You see exactly why some teams were he- hesitant about it with the risk and, and all that and needs his refining. But yeah, I mean, we called it an upside pick a project when it was made and everything that we've seen in the last week has only reaffirmed everything we said. Yeah. But hey, I'd rather it reaffirm what we said versus saying, oh, no, wow, that was a mistake. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, it's um, th- this is a guy with a tremendous amount of skill and needs refinement to his game. Um, I think Max uh, Max had a great article. Um, he had 10 observations on the World Junior Showcase, which I think uh, you should read if you haven't. Um, but he made a good point that as his skating improves, his defense will improve. And Shai Buyam, he has a couple things to work on. One, reduce the, I don't want to say mistakes, because I, I think you want a player who takes some risk to activate in the Get offensive zone. Your spot's better. Yeah. That'll reduce turnovers and improve the defense, and that comes with experience and uh, improving your your toolkit, which is by improving skating, which is just getting stronger, which is what these kids do as they as they develop. So, yeah, altogether... Um, from the Americans, especially really promising. Yeah. And Red Savage played the least games, but probably had the most impressive games yeah. of the bunch of them. He was making things happen everywhere on the ice, was relied upon in all situations and was producing offense in typical Red Savage ways. 
Um, for the Swedes, Niederbach was good, better than I think he got credit for. The pace issues that we've talked about before seem to still remain, but anytime he is given time, he certainly makes good use of it. Um, just as you jump up levels, you get less time, which is all, which has always been the concern with Niederbach, uh, cause he's not fast enough to get out of those jams when he runs into them if he doesn't make a play quick enough. So, you know, you, again, it just reaffirmed what we thought. I don't think he was outstanding. I don't think he was bad, but I don't think Wallander was good. <laughs> I think Sweden I, sucked overall. Yeah, I think Max even pointed that out too, that yeah, Wallander was bad, but the whole team was bad. And I tend to agree with that, um, which is fine. Wallander was like the biggest project pick ever. I didn't love it at the time. I still haven't fully come around on it. I get it. Like, again, I know I mentioned in my in our post-draft episode, we picked Booyam for all the same reasons we like Wallander, picked Wallander, but I actually liked Booyam better at the time than I liked Wallander at the time. And Booyam who's younger had a better summer showcase so far than Wallander had on a better team, arguably, but neither here nor there. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that it was just a team Sweden thing and not a full Niederbach and Wallander thing. Uh, do we want to jump over to the Canadian side of things? Yeah, they've been doing kind of their informal camp thing. Um, only thing uh, Sabrango still there. He almost made the team last year. So yeah, I think Sabrango is a good bet to make the world junior team this year and everything that's been coming out of their camp has, he has not disappointed. He's not been a standout, but that is not who Donovan Sabrango is. So if he's not getting complained about, he's doing great. And uh, again, shouldn't be a surprise, but Sebastian Cosa has emerged as the favorite to be team Canada starter for the world juniors. So I mean, you pick a guy 15th overall, you would hope that's the expectation, but Canada is a different breed when it comes to the world juniors. So he's going to have the weight of the world on his shoulders. And based on the amount of shit talking he's been doing in camp, that's probably a good thing. All right. Overtime? Sure. Overtime, Evan? I'm ready. <laughs> I've gone to bed an hour ago. I thought you were honestly going to say, I'm awake. The way you <laughs> lurched up there. Uh, no, okay. I'm here, Mrs. Smith. Uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, overtime is going to start with our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you uh, guys want to support the show. That's the reason we were able to go remote. That's the reason we're able to transition back into doing this in person. Um, you guys are fantastic people, and uh, you're the only people who Evan cares about. He doesn't even care about Brad or myself. That is 100% true. He, he won't sign autographs for us. No. I ask him every day. <laughs> I'm Brad, I'm convinced we're never going to go to his place. No, I I know the rough area of <laughs> the only he lives in. The and that's only, all I'm ever going to know. I'm fully positive. The only invite you are going to get is to push my hot tub onto the concrete pad that I have to do in the next week or so. The uh, percentage chance of me doing that is in the negatives. I just need well, you to know there, that. There you have your answer. <laughs> if I'm never going to get invited to you, said hot tub, I am certainly never going to go there to help install said hot tub. Yeah. I pushed that thing out of my garage at our old house with my uh, the guy I bought it from. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to do like hot tub uh, podcasts? I know Twitch banned hot tub streams, but hey. these, these are detachable. We could do it on YouTube. Yeah, we could. I can make that work. Anything goes on YouTube, man. I've got Fuck a wild. hey. We can have a watch party in my backyard because I got a projector and a projector screen now. I got the whole thing ready to go. We could, but will we? 
No, you won't be invited. <laughs> I, will, I will stream you in, but you're not. The invited. patrons will be there. Can, it'll just be our faces on the projector screen yeah. in the background. <laughs> all right. We're going to start with a question from Hunter Saunders, uh, who says, am I in the minority that believes Bert is all but gone with this two-year deal? Trade value is going to be high, and I think someone will give us a lot for him. So that obviously we chatted about that. We're going to get a dub dub company on New World, Evan. Thanks, guys. I don't know what that means. Oh, um, New World is a new MMO game by um, Amazon. I've heard very mixed things from dedicated uh, MMO players, so I have not bought that yet. Um, sorry, I was trying to catch the same fruit flies that invaded the Nadelkovich hey, interview. <laughs> hey, I tried to catch that one earlier, too. I missed because my reaction time <laughs> is that of a sloth. Uh, Jordan Walls says, uh, quick question. If you could have any one of these players for the next season, who would it be? Barkov, Panarin, or Marchand? Can be thought of as who would you prefer on the wings or just in general? Barkov. Barkov for the position. And I think he's the youngest of the group. Is he really? I think so. Man. Oh, yeah. He, no, what am I talking about? He definitely is. Yeah, Panarin is old, right? He won, he was like 26. He's got to be, yeah. Over. Because Mar- Marshawn won the cup in 2011 and Barkov wasn't drafted till 2013. Panarin's 29. No shit. I didn't yeah, know he was that yeah. old. And Barkov is 25. Oh, it's Barkov. It's yeah. Absolutely. Barkov. It's Barkov to the point where if Barkov is somehow signed, not signed next year, you break the bank to bring him in. 11 million and you don't think twice about it. Oh, yeah. 11. Yeah. <laughs> he If he's taking 11 million, he's settling. Remember, Tavares uh, yeah, settled right. for $11 million. And yeah, Barkov is younger and arguably better than Tavares when he signed that contract. Yeah. Uh, David P. says, I'm extremely excited to go to a game with an entire group of dub-dub diehards yelling, Come on, Abdelkader! <laughs> I forgot Behind Brad. Congrats on being back in the studio and thanks for all you do. <laughs> Thank you, David, for seeding that in the fan base because I'm 100% certain that's going to happen. There is a very small group of people who understands that joke, but it is a very good joke. <laughs> uh, Cody Stark says, uh, use your sources in the hockey world to find out more about the 2027th round pick, Chase Bradley. Quietly scored 22 goals and 40 points in the USHL last season. It's really good and it tr- in- intrigues me. He's just never on those summer showcase rosters or anything. Looks like he's going to UConn next season in the NCAA. Chase Bradley actually did capture our attention and a lot of other people's because of that season. I think what he does at UConn will dictate a lot of how his the perception of him will change. Yeah, he's still a long shot, but all seventh-round picks are. The fact that we're talking about a seventh-round pick is still a, uh, an option over a year out is already better than most seventh-round picks. Uh, Jake Bloom says, hey, guys, with all the moves Chicago's made this offseason, what are the Hawks trying to be and what are they actually? Do they now have a chance in the Kane and Taves window or are they a mediocre bubble team that screwed themselves long term? They're a mediocre bubble team that screwed themselves long term. This is Stan Bowman trying to save his job and nothing else. He knows he does not have a long window left, if any at all. Yeah. And he's literally going, I'm going to make as big of a splash and improve this team as much as I can today because I might not have a tomorrow. And that is, I, I, I like that is from this like, w- like wildly unfolding and still a lot to come. Uh, the the allegations of sexual assault from 2010, and also legitimately, not to detract from that, uh, but from the the path the Chicago Blackhawks were taking before, and some of the moves they made were questionable. So like yeah. his job, like it's very much Jim Benning, um, needing to do stuff that works out now because if because there isn't a next year for him. Yeah, he did, but he doesn't care. And I mentioned this last episode, but it's bearing, it's worth bearing, it's worth repeating. God, I can't talk. 
Benning doesn't care how badly he just screwed the Canucks long-term because they are better this year, and that's all that matters to him. Same exact logic goes to Stan Bowman. Uh, Colorado 14er says, I'm all for you guys pushing this episode back a day because we are recording a day later. Um, you spent an incredible amount of time recording and editing over the past couple of weeks. However, today was the longest Monday morning I've had in quite a while. Hey, you and Evan both. <laughs> and I attribute it to not having the dub dub boys to get me through it. Keep imagining if this show dropped three days a week in the offseason and five days a week in the regular slash playoff season and how awesome that would be. Don't do that to me. <laughs> If everyone listening to this became a Patreon supporter, and I think we, I think we can convince Ryan, Brad, and Evan to start doing what they were born to do for a living, which in turn would make all of our mornings much easier to endure. Like, listen, if our Patreons like quadruple overnight to the point we can quit our jobs, sure, yeah, we'll give you five a week, no problem. But that feels a little optimistic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna find a bullet. <laughs> I was gonna say, we're gonna give Evan a heart attack here. Hey, well, let's keep dreaming. Let's go for the, not you, not you, Evan. I'm Don't not, do that. I, yeah. 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 So Ryan and I can quit our jobs because, you know, we don't make seven figures. Yeah. Uh, well, no, he just spent it all on a gold hot tub. Did you hear? Yeah. So that means he's only got what, like eight figures left in his bank account? Like I said, I've got about six bucks left. <laughs> Literally. That beer, by the way, is four bucks. Sorry. Okay. So I got two, $2 <laughs> left now. Uh, Teach says, if you guys can make it through the episode with no physical violence, I'll be impressed. Uh, in all seriousness, I'm happy you guys are back in the studio together. Only question I have today is, did Evan get his allowed golf time? If he didn't, give it to him now. He's in his golf outfit, it counts. Um, oh, man. That's put me on the spot, considering my brain is mush right now. Uh, uh, Xander Shoffley, Olympic gold medal. Yeah, I watched the, the, the Olympics a little bit. What a snooze fest. The greens looked really fast. And it was, it was a seven-man playoff for the bronze. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's the second loser. <laughs> I don't watch that. Um, I got. I don't really have anything other than going back to the the British Open or the Open, as most golfers call it. Just how good Colin Morikawa was, and I don't know if we ever really talked about Bryson. Did you hear him go on record on air in a post round interview saying his driver was shit? No, that's and amazing. Then, I saw that. So he had response he, was the best part. He had a though. terrible round, and he basically said his driver is garbage. And then the head of engineering for Cobra went on record and was saying, "We've got like twenty five guys who work with this guy every single day." Basically, put him on blast the other way for like calling them out. And it was oh, just, oh, he said like the driver itself. I thought he meant the way he was swinging the driver. No, no, no. Oh, I mean, he said that, his Cobra driver was garbage. Yeah, he said like they just. They just aren't working for him. Like basically put them on blast. And then Cobra came back with their own statement saying that he's just a dumbass, <laughs> which he is. And it's just there's so much drama around there. And then Louie lost again because he can't he has no closing you, bone in his body. You can't skip past Kepka's response. Oh, yeah. So and then of course, you know, the easy layup. They interview Brooks after his round. He's like saying, blah, blah, blah. He's like He's like, I'm driving the ball great. He's like, I love my driver. <laughs> like, just just such an easy layup. I love drugs. that. I love that so much. <laughs> it, it was a great tournament. They actually had better weather there than we did for the week, which has never happened, I think, in the history of weather. Um, it was a great tournament. Louis bladed a bunker shot on the final round into another bunker, and I have never felt so... Yeah so kindred with another I can professional golf yeah you could that's all i got yeah the olympics are okay the the open was unreal 
Uh, Nick Geyer says, uh, Ryan, our beef over the Geyer pronunciation has been forgiven, but new beef has been started with Brad. Brad, how could you go to another podcast that isn't the Dub Dub Boys? One podcast isn't enough for you. Ryan and Evan must feel portrayed. I didn't even know until he said it today. I had no idea you yeah, were on I've show. been on uh, Ryan's podcast before. Yeah. Good guy. I've been on other podcasts recently. I just don't tell anyone about it. Are you it. serious? Wait, no, you're shitting with us. No, I can't. Um, <laughs> you're no. Yeah. Do, you even, <laughs> do you even retweet it? No. Oh, my God. Those poor podcast hosts. No, I did retweet it, I think. What's the name of the podcast? It's probably, knowing me, it's probably like two tweets down. <laughs> <laughs> From like three weeks ago. Um. I'm not telling you guys. That's that doesn't matter. Oh my god! This well, is- like when I go on a guest as podcast, I want to help pump that podcast. So I did. Retweet you know, it. I'm not an asshole like Evan. So it was the hockey four one one. Go have a listen. It was actually a really good conversation. Um, I actually think it may. What month are we in? August now. I think that may have been in March. So I, I know. I swear to God, I know less about this. That guy could have also been in June. I my brain does not. Was it operate. a hockey podcast? Yes. Well, I mean, between March and June, that's three tweets to search through, so it won't take long to find it. I'll have you know that my interactions and engagements on Twitter far outrank yours. Oh, yeah, so I please. certainly know it. <laughs> please give me some respect. I miss when we did this remotely. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit <laughs> jeff layman says hey with the podcast a day at lca uh it seems increasingly likely that stevie y listens to this how does that make you feel and what would you say to him if you knew 100 he was listening uh i don't know that i believe that he listens to this but if i knew 100 that he was listening my first words would be oh god i'm sorry <laughs> for the bullshit um i don't know we, we pretty have- much just what we said the most horrifying day of my life was when we were having a conversation with someone who is very much in the know in hockey media and broke the news to us that there are definitely people listening in which case i regretted everything i'd ever done on the podcast up to that point yeah it's uh we we often have forget that there's people on the other sides of them well even the the even the interview on this episode yeah where red's like oh yeah i listened i'm like oh but like me and Ryan immediately are like, we give his pick a good review, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I won't change my opinion. No, yeah. No, I'm not going to change our opinion. The thing that I like most about our podcast is that we can give honest opinions. But at the same time, it's like, oh, we are going to piss someone off someday. I can feel it in my bones. And we have. Oh, we certainly have. Yeah. I have just for uh, existing. And also, I'm a massive asshole. I, it's one of those two things. Evan doesn't count, though. No. I'm talking someone else. Um, Revan Lobsaber says, The World Junior Summer Showcase was fun to check in on prospects. Seeing Aturatu's revenge tour made me question not taking him rather than Booyam. Thoughts? Um, I just did not think about it. I just regret not taking Ratu, period. But like we said, you have we now have to start to detach the prospects from that because there's no changing it at this point and you have to wait for it to play out before you can really get yourself too worked up you mean i shouldn't have got worked up by hate watching nick suzuki for four rounds of the playoffs oh not now you can that's now you can circle back on that one okay yeah nick suzuki i'm confused not, about the rules then first line center for the montreal canadians yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah okay uh ghost of podcast passes which gm do you think has the largest do not draft list Ooh, that's a good question because according to reports, it's not many that, uh, I don't know who just seems like the most wholesome GM. Cause I think that's what it comes down to. 
Eiserman would be high in the. I think Iser, the I like my. I think Eiserman and Sackick are the first two immediately coming to mind for me. And I don't think honestly. it's. I don't think it's morals. I think it's um, they want character guys. They really care about attitude. Yeah, I could. I could see that. Man, I, there are way too many teams in the league. I'm like running through the all the teams one by one in my head, and it's like Jesus. Arjun Shanker says, uh, is asking a question about how fans can pressure their teams and organizations. Obviously, he's mentioned the Red Wings here to start in, uh, investigations into things like what is alleged against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks in 2010. Uh, doesn't want to see teams try to hide skeletons like Chicago is. If there's something in uh, the Red Wings or any team's history, it would be best to address it. Honestly, it is about holding teams accountable now. It, like the investigation now that's that's happening with Chicago. Like it's nice to think that fans are going to do something about this and absolutely keep the pressure up and, and let it be known. Like voting with your wallet is the most important thing. Um, how the NHL, what the NHL does with Chicago is going to dictate a lot of this stuff. Um, if teams are, you know, doing stuff that is illicit bearing stuff, they have the skeletons in the closet. They will get a big slap in the face to know what happens if uh, the league comes down in Chicago hard here. So that is going to be the biggest change. And fans can speak with their wallets. And uh, there was actually a big win in the Chicago investigation today where a bunch of former players said they refused to cooperate unless the po- findings were made public. And they and that worked. That's good. That's good. Because, like, yeah, I mean, that's and, a big conversation. Yeah, with Boynton putting, was it Kane Sharp and someone else on blast? Oof. Yeah. Oof, that's not a good look. Uh, AJ Voss says, I've come to the conclusion that the hockey gods have laid a curse on Eisenman as punishment for drafting D'Angelo in 2014. Think about it. Since that moment, Eisenman and whichever team he was managing has had the worst luck, such as Tampa's injury issues in the subsequent years and the Columbus sweep. Tampa winning a cup after he left and Detroit's bad lottery luck, among other things. I believe the only way for Eisenman to cleanse himself of this curse would be to amend another long-running crime against the hockey gods and finally retire 91. Only then will the curse be lifted and will we win a draft lottery. I fully buy into the if you retire 91, good things will happen in Detroit. Like there's some curse there, 100%. Let's do it. We, we can – what happens if we retire 51 now? Does that mean we get Shane Wright and he just has to pick a new number or – Pre-retirement? Is that a thing? Yeah, like we'll honor it ahead of time. Yeah, pending retirement. <laughs> uh, Matt S. says, glad to hear you guys are back in studio, hopefully for good. I saw some posts showing potential starting lineups on opening night, and I was wondering your thoughts on what I think they should be. Uh, Verona Larkin Zadina, Bertuzzi, Suter, Fabry, Rasmussen, Valeno, Ernie, Smith, Nemesnikov, Gagne, DeKaiser, Hronik, Letty, Sider, Stahlstetcher, Nedeljkovic, Grice. Extra defenseman, Osterly, and Lindstrom. Keep up the good work as always. Yeah, it sounds about right. I'd put Osterly in over DeKaiser, but that's just me. Hey, something we didn't talk about. Arbitration opens up another buyout window. Does Detroit buy out Nielsen? No. He's got one year left. Not worth it. Uh, Aaron Hudson says, hey, boys, glad to see you back in studio. How many goals do you expect each from Verana, Larkin, and Zadina? And what would be a good return for them in points this upcoming season? I just want to see Larkin hit 20. He's playing with some more goal scorers now, so I don't think the goal scoring weight should be on him too much. Verana, I want to see 30. And uh, Zadina, I want to see at least 20, if not more. For goals, yeah. Larkin, I'm more invested in his point total because whatever line he ends up on based on what the Red Wings have, he's probably almost certainly not going to be the trigger man. So I want to see him get back up, flirt with that 70 that he did a couple seasons ago. So that would be my expectation of him. Um, C. Rowe says, uh, 
I haven't seen anything on the Elias Patterson negotiations. If they aren't going well, what do you think a trade for his rights would entail if it started with Bertuzzi? Um, Bertuzzi and a couple firsts, probably. They're probably going to want a top prospect as well. Yeah. Yeah. Vancouver's in win now mode. So maybe they'd be more inclined to take a Zadina than a first. Yeah. I think so. Stevie Langerman says, Yo, gents, back in studio. Stevie making moves. Ken Daniels stream interview. Friggin' winged wheel podcast night at the LCA. I just don't know how to not feel so damn good about this team right now. Hoping I'll be able to fly in from Seattle for the winged wheel podcast night. Um, out of all the news at this point, what are you looking forward to most for next season? Mine's got to be Cider on the blue line. You guys rock as always. The I'm I'm really excited to hope hopefully see nine games of Lucas Raymond. Um, for me, it's cider. Still, it has to be cider. I would love to see how that translates to the NHL. We're see eighty-two games of most cider. That's fair. Yes, that is what <laughs> I got. I would agree with both of those points. Jared Sparks says, prior to the draft, a lot of mocks linked Edmondson to Columbus. Had they taken him instead of Johnson, do you think Detroit would have still taken a skater, or do you think they would have taken Kosa with their first pick? No, or- I think they would have taken a skater. I think skater. I don't yeah, know. Who it I, I pro- it actually it's gonna kill me to say it probably would have been at Eklund based on who has left because I cl- they they value skating on defense, so I don't think they would have taken Clark. <sighs> I think between the skating and the right shot, I think you're right. But I think Clark is closer than maybe I give it credit for. Third man in says, Hey boys, thanks as always for doing the pod and the live streams, especially during the craziest week we've seen in a while. Just a nudge. It's time for the offer sheet Patterson discussion. We have questions to bounce off of you. Some good, some idiotic. We actually do have to do that soon. We really do. I'm really hoping he signs before then. <laughs> Ruthless and toothless says it's been a little while. First off, huge congrats to you guys for the LCA event. Your hard work, which is visible to all of us has garnered you a fantastic opportunity. Congrats. What's happened to Bobby Ryan? As far as we can tell, nothing. Yeah. He's he's waiting. Just, um, I still think it might happen in Detroit, but there's only so many forward spots, you know? There's only so many forward spots, but there's nobody on the outside looking in on forward right now of any consequence, which I don't think Eisman's going to like because whether fans want to admit it or not, we can create the lineup we want right now. But if there's an injury... Like, who's filling in there? It's going to be some AHL jobber. So, yeah, I, I don't think Iserman's done it forward. Um, Bobby Ryan would be ideal, but there's a lot of candidates still out there. He, If he wants to go for trade deadline return, there's still some names out there that could probably get a bigger return at the deadline if he wants to go that route. Al Robbins says, did Stevie make any mistakes so far this offseason? So many GMs have, but I feel like we're sailing high and dry. It's nitpicking and it's not of significant consequence, but I'm still astounded Svechnikov wasn't at least qualified. Um, Nick Amalfi says, I've been a long-time listener since the 2017 draft, so I thought it's finally time to support the pod and join Patreon. Nick, thank you so much for the support. Uh, offer some facts. Born, raised, and lived in Montreal. Uh, but strongly dislike the Habs and their fans. So great choice. Um, I'm gonna just re- I'm gonna read some of these. Nick, uh, big Max Verstappen fans and Furk Hamilton. Well, we're not gonna get along too well. Um, and it can vi- be found on Twitter at Kinksamalfi. Keep up the great work, guys, and big congrats on your collab with the Red Wings for Winged Wheel Podcast Night. I would be there if it wasn't a 10 hour drive, but I'll for sure be at the draft meetup in Montreal. 
Where do you think the Red Wings finish in the standings and lottery order next season? Brad, start sacrificing some fingers, please. The price is right. Cheers and let's go Red Wings. I did my blood sacrifice. Is one of these two idiots' turn. Which appendage do you care about the least? Don't say the one you're thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll give up a kidney, I suppose. I was going to say like pinky toe but yeah you do you champ kidney will get us right i think maybe a kidney might get us right in like a second overall the year after yeah that's that's like Perfect. right in mitchkov at yeah. least if you're willing to use you no have s- no idea how much drinking <laughs> i did in college <laughs> that kidney's worthless yeah um i think they finished around 25th to 27th yeah that's where i'm at Dave David Fanto says, first off, big congrats on the partnership with the Wings. I'll likely be moved to Atlanta by then, but if not, I'm there. If you were to go on a weekend-long party bender with one current or former Red Wings player, who would it be? I'm going to say Steve, just because if it's like a party bender, I'm sure he'll open up, and I think that'll be fun. Or the flip to that is he doesn't, and then you have a really boring party weekend. Oh, and it's just like hanging out with Evan. Yeah, that's fair. Sean Avery. <laughs> hey, he's he is a former wing. Um Sergey, crazy Moscow night. Let's go. Yeah, that would actually be a lot of fun. Uh Sam W says, Congrats on the sure and steady success. The pod community is growing every day. Watching some Edmondson footage footage after the draft, the guy closes his gaps really aggressively and runs people off into the boards of the blue line. I don't see a power play quarterback type shooter or passer right now, but with Nicholas himself working with him, insider also in the mix, could we have two monsters on the back end capable of carrying on the Cronwell tradition? It's possible. That's why they picked him. Yeah. Uh, Mr. My Socks says, hey, keep up the good works. What are your thoughts on the current Red Wings Kraken multi-legged underwater creature discourse? And when can we expect uh, Takayaki, which is a Japanese octopus pancake balls at the LCA? I, for one, would be the first in line to get them. They're good. I've no, no. Yeah, no, they're great. No, Don't. I'm not eating anything with tentacles. I, no. I would eat that. Yeah. Evan's cultured. No. Brad comes from Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Walmart. Wait, who's the... <laughs> Listen, we're not all over here eating what Evan's bull testicles. <laughs> I had chicken wings for dinner. I'll have you know. Um, the I think Seattle agreed that they use the squid emoji and the Red Wings use the octopus emoji. Well, they emoji. used the octopus emoji and then everybody got mad at them. So if they conceded, I'm happy I didn't see that. Yeah. Phil Gasno says, what do you think is a reasonable return on Fabry at the deadline? Would you like to lock him up for a few more years? I don't know. I Fabry's a hard one to get a gauge on value because it doesn't seem like he's got a lot of hype outside of Detroit. Based on his pure performance, he's worth at least a second, but I don't there's not that kind of talk around him as a pending UFA. So I, I really don't know. I almost prefer to keep Fabry in the fold, especially if it's a reasonable deal, because I, I agree, Brad. I don't think he's gonna get the kind of return that I think he should. And imagine a team with Fabry as like a third line winger who can slot up if yeah. needed during it. Like that, I, he's a guy who I'm very cool with not flipping for assets because he can't do it with, for, with everyone. Yeah. And honestly, we have a second line right now that could just be the Guelph connection. Literally all three players played on the same line in junior. Like that's. Come on. Yeah. That doesn't happen. If Jeff Blaschel doesn't do that on opening night, like... Oh, it has to be. Every good thing I said about him in the last years, like, <laughs> I retract. <laughs> um, MVP96 says, which deal would you prefer the Eisenman to make? Offer sheet Pedersen, uh, 11 million times 8. It would have to be at 7, right? Because it's... Uh, I don't think you could offer 8. Or trading Zadina, Bertuzzi, Hironic, and a first for Eichel. 
Oh, that one definitely. Yeah, because that I think is probably at around Eichel's value. Yeah. And honestly, I just like Eichel more. Uh, forever elite Darren Helms says good day dud duds it took until the elite one signed with a sickening cup contenders on the snow waves for Brad to admit on air he loves Darren Helm I'm very proud of you for finally shedding yourself of doubt and embracing your true feelings this is your best take since the pro barber pole jersey take which is objectively correct and anyone who disagrees is wrong and dumb and not smart since you're back in the studio you want to yeah I'm gonna I've said this before I'm gonna repeat again I've always loved Darren Helm you fanboys ruined it for me. <laughs> Brad seems kind of mad, eh, Evan? I would agree with that. I'm never not mad. I just hide it well. Um, <laughs> since you're back in the studio <laughs> and we need you to have rock, paper, scissors, uh, or we need you to have rock, paper, scissors competitions, hashtag for the kids. Ryan versus Evan, then Evan versus Brad, then Brad versus Ryan. I'm going to take rock. <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> On scissors. So rock, paper, yes, scissors. Okay. Yes. Rock, rock, paper, scissors. Rock, rock, paper, paper scissors. scissors. I All told right. you. I was That's an easy rock. win. <laughs> All right. And then it's Evan versus Brad. I'm taking rock. Okay. Rock, rock, paper, scissors. scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Now oh, well, you know, my strategy didn't work this time. <laughs> All right, Brad, me versus you. I'm taking rock. <laughs> okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Yes. Wow, what a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I threw paper for all of you uh yeah, I, I, I figured he was going to take rock, so he I'd take paper. I thought for sure scissors were coming. Yeah. Uh, quick self-centered shout-out in lieu of jersey time. If anyone attended the Red Wings equipment sale and bought one of the game-issued blank reverse retro jerseys and would like to sell it, please hit me up. Thank you. Uh, that's Isa Rohan on Twitter. Kyle Hashman says, just got a new bucket. It's plain white. Going to spruce it up with some stickers, including Winged Wheel podcast sticker. Have they been game day tested? Do you have one on your helmet? No. You should. My team sticker on my helmet, thanks. Jokes aside, keep up the great work. <laughs> all right, everyone. That is this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast. Thank you all so much. We're going to be back with you Thursday this week just to space these out a little bit because we know we went late on the Monday. Uh, thank you to Red Savage for joining us on the show. Thank you to all of our name level sponsors, uh, especially on Patreon, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam Jamathong, Taylor Tadgel, Brendan M, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Cyrus Marsh, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Greech, Hana Lee, uh, Hassam Al-Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacey Lynn, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, currently out of name ideas, Dave W, definitely not a Huckleberry, Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S, as good as it gets, uh, Stove Fresh Cheese Bags, Trevor Pebovar, think, and uh, Zach Handyside. Thank you all so much, and we will see you on Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.